Hello and welcome to another The Analysis interview with Total Football Analysis. My name is David Seymour and today I'm delighted to be joined by Timo Cato. Um, Timo, thank you so much for coming on and, and joining us today. Uh, what I always like to do with these things is uh, start with an introduction, but I've learned from, from previous experience to allow the guests to do the full introduction. So, uh, Timo, it'd be great to hear about um, where you are today and how, how you got to where you are today, really. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, um, David. So, yeah, um, basically, I am a coach um, and a senior sort of first team opposition scout. Um, sort of, I've been working probably started started co uh, scouting basically I was, I'll start with the scouting pretty much really um I started scouting in uh August 2008 um and I sort of I got into scouting really just trying to, I, I sort of had a sort of a, a goal to be sort of a, a scout but I didn't really know what that actually meant at the time um and what happened was I sort of finished university um and I decided okay I wanted to scout but I just didn't know how to get into it so what I did was um, sort of I had applied online um, and sort of looked into different ways of how to become a scout at the time. Um, and at this point, I was 21 years old. So I've been scouting now for 12 years um, and sort of I'm sure we'll probably go into it. But sort of my scouting sort of career, so to speak, has been split into two. So I worked for um, the Scouting Network, which was the first sort of agency I worked for. Um, and another company called Scout7. They were sort of the two agencies I worked for over a period of sort of five to six years. Um, and then since then, um, sort of from 2015, I've then worked for, I've scouted for Fulham Football Club, um, Stoke City and Cardiff, um, which is my last job, um, uh, which finished in November of 2019. Um, so, yeah, so I scouted sort of for those sort of years, like I said, which I can talk about a bit more detail later. And I'd also um, volunteer scouted for clubs like Brentford, um, which was the main club I did with sort of an academy level. Um, and that's how I sort of understood the difference between academy scouting, player scouting and opposition scouting, which I'm probably more known for um, in terms of my experience. Um, and then coaching wise, yeah, I coached, um, sort of coaching was sort of the main push for me to sort of leave so-called a nine to five. I was working at Sky Television when I first left university, whilst I was doing a lot of my scouting on the side. Um, and I sort of made the jump after being there for three years to to try and become a coach. So that's where I joined Fulham um, in 2012, I think it was, um, as one of their coaches there uh, with their foundation um, and sort of spent four years there. And that's really sort of where I became a coach and sort of coached at different sort of grassroots levels a little bit higher. Um, and that's it. And now sort of I do sort of one-to-one -one coaching with some players who are semi-professional, some players that sort of do things who want sort of specific sessions tailored to them. Um, and obviously at the end of this period, which we're having, maybe I'll get back into football at the elite level again at some point in the future. I mean, that's why I'm so looking forward to, to this interview team because I just think there's, there's so many avenues that we could go down here. Um, I think it'd be, it'd be great to start off with the scouting. Um, and I think to begin with, it's quite a broad question, but I would like to know what you think makes a good scout. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's interesting because how I would I'll try and answer your question is it's is two things really. So with scouting, like I said before, I didn't realise the complexities behind the job. And basically you have two different types of scout in my experience. So you have some scouts who just look for players, and this is obviously at academy or first team level, um, they're responsible for looking for players and dealing with so-called parents or agents when you go higher up and that side of things. 
Um, and then you also have scouts like myself, who I just mentioned, where you do opposition stuff. So you do a lot of analysis. Um, you do sort of watching lots and lots and lots of football and lots of games. Um, and when you work for an agency, like I did at the time, um, in my sort of infancy years, you're, you're basically an information provider. So you're trying to get as much information as possible for the club that you're representing. Whereas when you then move to a club aspect, it's roughly the same, but you sort of your, your information's more tailored. So you'll have information coming from the manager or the chief scout mainly who will tell you what you want. And then you go out and find that information and try and present it in a fashion that he wants, really, or the coaching team want. So to answer your question with what makes a good scout, I'd probably say the first thing is um, dedication to wanting to take on as much information as possible. I think that's the main thing, really, because you're watching so many different games of football um, and you're trying to basically find trends and patterns between uh, what you're watching and how that is relevant for whatever it is you're being asked to do. Um, and then the other thing I'd probably say is attention to detail, really. that That's the biggest thing I've learned. Um, sort of my first ever scouting experience, like I said, when I was at the Scouting Network, uh, my boss at the time, that was the first thing he said to me. He was like, you need to have attention to detail. When he said that, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, so I, I kind of know what you mean. But really, it's really paying attention to the small details, you know. Um, if you're looking at a player, for example, it's how does the player sort of react to certain situations, any sort of information you can give, which isn't just given to sort of obvious to the naked eye, I think makes you a good scout where it shows, it shows that you're paying close attention to the details really. And then obviously if you're doing opposition, uh, sort of report, um, again, the details, you know, some of the reports I've done, you've gone from looking at how the referee interacts with certain players to the detail of how throw-ins are taken to, you know, set pieces on the lower league. So, yeah, attention to detail, I think, probably makes a good scout, in my opinion. Anyway. Does does that lead to, I mean, does that lead to a very long report? So I, I think there was these sort of Vilas Boas ones when he was working for uh, Mourinho at Porto, which are these incredibly long and detailed reports. Is that is that what you want from every report? Or is there a talent in getting as much detail as possible into as fewer words as possible? Yeah, so this is the thing. I mean, again, that's why I said sort of my career, it's, it's been sort of split into two. So when I was working for the agencies, um, the scouting network is obviously my first experience. Going back in 2008 to 2010, when I was there, we had reports that were, there's so much information in them. Um, and I didn't really know if really the managers we were working for actually read all the information. So um, I was sort of, I started really sort of from conference level, really. So it was just a fifth tier. So um, when I was at that level, a lot of the detail or the information that you'd provide in these reports would be around set plays, around corners, around free kicks, a lot of sort of dead ball situations because there wasn't really sort of a lot of um, information generally in play. But a, a typical report when I was doing it there, you'd go from the formation to the key points about the units, defence midfield forwards, you'd go through the in, uh, additional information about set plays, you'd go into throw-ins, you'd go into headers, you'd go into sort of missing players, and then you'd have to give an overall assessment, and then you'd be talking about player comments, so they would require you to give sort of about three or four lines on each individual player from the team you were watching. Um, <laughs> so when you looked at that, it, the whole report, it would take about four hours after a game, sometimes five, where you'd be typing up this information, putting it all together, and then it would go back to sort of the team at the office and then they would sort of have a look at it to make sure it's all okay. And then that would go to the club. 
And then as sort of my years have gone up, uh, alluding to what you just said, you then start getting more detailed or more sort of concise with the information that you're giving. So you don't, the, the reports aren't always as long, but it does vary either from club process or from manager process. So I've worked for some clubs, I won't mention the names, but I've worked for some clubs, one of, some of the clubs that I mentioned before, where the manager would be like, I'm not interested in all that sort of stuff. I only want to know this, this and this. So you would then have to make sure that if that's what he wanted, you're trying to get as much of the information you want to get out so that he can see the point you're trying to make, but in a concise manner. Um, and I think as you go up in the levels, I think the reports sort of become less lengthy, but more detailed. So that's why you've got to sort of try and get to the point as much as possible. But also you get also some clubs now where they've got analysts sort of that are full-time employed that maybe will do part of your job. And my job, a lot of the time as opposition is to go and watch the game live. So a lot of the detail I'm giving is because I'm actually there but then I will go home sometimes and watch the game again, especially the higher up you go, the more access you get to watching these games. Um, and that's where really you've got to get the detail across um, sort of as precise as possible. So if, let's just look at then player scouting, for example. Um, I'd be interested to go into the differences between scouting academy and and senior players. But before we do that, or, or maybe you want to jump in on that first, but I was going to ask what the process or what your process would be. How do you approach player scouting? Are the, the players targeted initially? Do you set the targets? No. So when you're sort of doing a player one, I mean, again, when so when I was working with the agencies, like Scout 7 was, was where I was at for the longest period of time, we would get told sort of, okay, we want to find, for example, you might get a blanket sort of, okay, we want to know sort of some good players between a certain age range. And all this scouting we'd be doing uh, when I was at Scout 7 at this point when we were doing players was on video. So um, you, they they would sort of give you a number of games to watch. You'd go through the video. You'd try and identify certain players based on the the criteria that they'd set for us to try and find, you know? And then you would sort of go through things like, what do they do on the ball, off the ball? Um, there's so many different variables, normally across sort of a, a technical, tactical, physical sort of... Um, thing but obviously again you're going this all on video but when you're doing it live as in when you're working for a club a lot of the times you will have meetings with the scouts or the, the chief scout will have a meeting with the manager and he'll say the areas where he wants to strengthen whether that's in the summer if it's a lone player or whatever um, and you will then go out and be aware of this in your mind and then players that you find or you think are suitable, you would then start to sort of create a profile for them. So you'd probably, you know, a lot of the clubs obviously have internal systems where you'd say, okay, I saw this player at this time. Um, and then you'd sometimes do an, an overview report on them. And then you'd probably then go back and do a more detailed report. And then a lot of clubs, which I'm sure you know of, would then like to have different eyes seeing one player. So you have a team of scouts of five, Three of us will go and see the player. And then now with the way football is, you can get it up on video where we'd all sit in a room afterwards, maybe when I've seen him and you know, two of my colleagues have seen him and we'll give different views on what it is that we see. And then if we do sometimes go to a game and a player stands out, I think that's one sort of tip for scouts out there is something that I've always been told and you've got to be aware of is you've always got to be aware of what's going on. So even if you go to a game and you're not specifically looking for, say for example, I've been sent to find a player in midfield, but someone in defence is outstanding, you should mention it. You should always mention it because you never know whether when that comes up, you've got to be ready to say that, you know, you've seen something and all information is good information. So I hope that answers your question. No, absolutely. I think um, I'd be interested to, to hear where the sort of trade-off is now in terms of 
going to see players live and doing the video analysis? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, when I first started doing it, um, it was all about really live. Every time I'd go to games, I'd see so many scouts, you know, you, everybody had their pen and paper out. Um, but over the years, as it's gone on, I think the way technology's advanced, you're seeing, I wouldn't say less scouts, but a lot of times, a lot of clubs now are changing their processes internally. And sometimes they are having analysts that will do things sort of uh, at the ground or over video where they wouldn't employ scouts like myself to go out to games as regularly. Um, I've been to games now where, uh, you know, the last few years I've worked at the Premier League and championship levels more often than not. And I've seen certain clubs where they've got uh, scouts that come, but they don't come with a pen anymore. They come with an iPad and they're sort of jotting things down or, you know, putting things through the system, which obviously goes back to their club. Um, so I do think that these days, yeah, the scout going to a game now might not be as common or as, as, as prevalent as it used to be. But I personally, maybe because of my experience, I, I feel that there's a need for both, really. I think you sort of, you get so many, especially in the character corner and, and the player sort of, the personal things with the player, you get more when you're there than you do on a video. And also something I say to some people as well is when you watch games on a video, it is good because you can go into more detail. You don't have to miss things. Um, you know, you can rewind things. However, sometimes the camera angle will only give you two thirds of the pitch, which a lot of people sometimes don't realize. So if you're trying to watch someone off the ball and the, and the cameras move to the third where the player isn't, then you miss out on that aspect. Um, but obviously there's, there's different things now and, and things like Scout and, and, and sort of platforms like that, that now give wide camera angles for those of us in the game, which does help. But, um, I do think, yeah, I think there has to be a balance between the two. That's my personal opinion. But again, I don't know whether that's just because I've I've done it for so many years going to the game that I maybe am slightly biased in that, that aspect. Well, I mean, I guess it changes in terms of head coaches, but perhaps even positions as well. But how important are character traits to you? And what kind of character traits do you generally look for in a player? And how do you identify those? Yeah, um, for me, they're very important. Um, and maybe that's, Again, maybe me using slight parts of my sort of coaching sort of uh, manager head in terms of players that I personally like. But the reason why I think they are important for a scout or, or reporting back is because you, you get to really know. I, I've noticed that the higher up you go when you're watching players, it's more the sort of their mentality and their attitude that separates them. Because I think especially when you get to sort of like championship upwards, a lot of the players their ability, I won't say it's exactly the same, but it's not like massively different. Like when you watch academy players, sometimes you can see a player stand out so easily. Um, but I think in terms of the character, you, you learn a lot when you watch a player live. Um, and in terms of identifying it, you sort of see it maybe if a player, for example, if you look at a forward, I'll give an example. If he's missing chances in a game and, and the crowd are reacting to it, but he keeps persisting and he keeps pushing. And even if he doesn't score but you can see that he's still focused and he's still trying his best. Those are the kind of things you look at and think, okay, well, what could he do maybe if he came to our team with the players that we've got? So you start sort of looking at the individual first, but then you start thinking about how would he fit in our team, depending on what it is that he's demonstrating. Um, you see some players, obviously, if, they, if, they're, if they're doing well, especially with strikers, if they're scoring well and they're in form, sort of there they will always be at a certain level like they'll always sort of keep trying but it's the player you look at sort of when things don't go well that's normally how I sort of judge a character of a person or if things are going well sometimes you see some strikers who maybe might score in a game and then they get another chance and there's a better passing option available and they wouldn't even see that pass because they're just fo so focused on on the goal you know and it's all about them 
you know, so you start to sort of think of things of whether they're team players. There's so many different little things that you try and pick up on, which maybe the data wouldn't necessarily just give you, you know. Um, and then in terms of other positions, you know, in terms of leadership qualities, you know, in midfield or maybe in defence, um, generally those are the kind of things you look at sort of in terms of how do they sort of deal with other players around them, you know, off the ball, especially defenders, are they organisers, uh, are they vocal, um, you know, how do they sort of, sometimes you see them in terms of when the team are, sometimes a thing that I noticed, which was quite interesting, is sometimes when you watch certain teams that win a lot, uh, I remember watching Man City once, and the, the goal had gone in, they'd scored. Everybody's obviously running over to the player that scored, but one of the defenders was literally already talking about all the players concentrating, you know, looking at what's next, you know, not getting carried away. It's only one goal, you know. And those little things, I think the things that people miss out on, which we try our best to, or I certainly do, pay attention to it and report back because I think those are the kind of things you can tell, um, really. So, are there Are there any, besides the obvious like attitude problems, are there any red flags that perhaps wouldn't be as obvious to to someone who isn't you know as well versed in scouting as yourself? Mm. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, again, it's it's just all. I come back to it, it's all about paying attention to the details. I think there's certain things where, like some players, I mean, you you look at some players as well, like they lead in a different way. Uh, where they don't really say much. So you then think, okay, well, if he's not showing a lot of emotion, is he even interested or whatever? And I think it, it, it's basically, if you're watching a player, I think it is easier to pick out these things I'm talking about because you're solely focused mainly on that player in the game. I mean, you'd always try and have an overview, but you're sort of just focusing on one thing. Whereas obviously when you're doing a, a team assessment, obviously you're looking at so many different things, so you might miss these things. But yeah, I think, I think really it's just paying attention and, and looking out for any little clues, you know, any little thing. Um, you know, you look at some players who people might say, oh, he looks quite disinterested or he doesn't look like he really wants it. But that's just an outward demeanour. And that's what I mean. You need to really concentrate because sometimes you see some players, they come alive when the ball's near them. You see some players who come alive when the ball's off, not near them. You know, there's, there's some players who make so many runs off the ball, people don't see that also in you know it, it gives me the intuition that that player is a willing player or you know they, they've got perseverance qualities and things like that so yeah I think it's just, it's just paying attention that, that's all I can really say really you've got to really sort of pay attention and concentrate uh when you're sort of doing it um and and try to just look at them on the ball off the ball um how they react around others you know you try and pick up those things and then obviously there's only so much you can do as a scout, you know, and, and the bit of a sort of, the bit I would say is you, you sort of just say what you see as well. Try not to make things up, you know, you just say what you see. And then the, the good thing with managers and people at the club is they always know someone that knows the player anyway. So they can also sometimes, and a lot of the time it does happen where they will do the information. They'll go and speak to maybe the agent or they'll speak to managers that have managed the player before to find out what they're like around the training ground and other things like that, which sometimes we can't do at the game. So... Yeah, the main thing is just us sort of providing what we can see um, in that aspect of their character and then the rest is down to the team. Mm. Um, well, I mean, I imagine the role of data has uh, become more and more prominent in your time as a scout. Um, so, I mean, how much of a role does it have? I, I presume it has a, a great role, a great deal of um, importance when you're targeting a player or potentially recommending them. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, like I said, I think the day I've welcomed it, to be honest, I, I think it's it's been quite good. Um, I think you have to be careful with data, though, because there's so much of it now that I think sometimes people get lost in the data 
rather than thinking about, like I've mentioned before, things like you can actually see when you go to a game. Um, but I think data is important. I think mainly, if I was trying to answer your question, I'd say data is really important for validating your point. So sometimes when you're talking about, you know, again, like I came back when I mentioned earlier, if a manager saying, I want someone, maybe for example, that plays in midfield, that's got a good engine in terms of covers a lot of ground and vice versa, you can go and watch a player and think, oh, actually, I think he does a lot of running. If you went back to the, to the training ground and you went to look at the data on the player or you found out the data, you might find out that actually they're not running as much as it, they look like they're running or, you know, the, the data sort of concretes or gives you some sort of proof to what you might have seen. Um, and also data, I think sometimes can be manipulated. I mean, sometimes you can sort of look at how someone does something and think, oh, well, this stat says this, so this is definitely the way. And sometimes it's not. So, but I do think data is important because it complements it. And especially in terms of watching sort of, like, like I said before, watching video stuff, I think video is really good because when it first came along, a lot of scouts, well, I knew of, were worried, okay, maybe that means we're not going to have a job anymore or whatever. But I think it does help because, like I've said before, there's so many games where I've gone to watch live and I've come home and watched them again, you know, or especially I watch a lot of European football to try and pick up different tactics and different things and just to expand my knowledge. And watching those games sort of on telly or, you know, on Scout or different platforms they really, really do help sort of with your knowledge. And like I said, you can rewind it, you can stop it, you can sort of go into more detail. Whereas when you're live, it is good, but there's only so much you can see because a lot is happening when you're at a game. And I think it's a real skill if you're able to analyse and, and watch games live, really, and pull back on them accurately. So, hmm. no, I totally agree. I think it's a, it's a really interesting uh, viewpoint. I, I, you mentioned it earlier and that there's a difference between academy and player scouting so i wanted to give us a, a brief overview as to the, the main differences yeah of course um so the main difference is so when you're doing academy again when i did it for a short period of time you you spend a lot more time sort of again i mean if i take academy i can go right down to the younger age groups which i did right to like say sort of 16s but when you're doing academy players a lot of the time you're it's a skill in the sense that you're judging potential of the player so you're looking at things like you know what what could they become sort of thing um you might look at sort of temperament and things like that depending on what academy they're going to join or you're representing or whether they'd fit in with the group of players you've got or but majority of the time you're looking at the potential of the player and you're trying to make an assessment of that and i think I give a lot of credit to scouts who do that level of scouting because it's not easy. You're sort of predicting the future, so to speak. Um, whereas when you're scouting a player sort of more towards like 23s and first team level, you are kind of doing that. But a lot of the time, a lot of their skills are honed. So you can see more in terms of their ability. You can see more in terms of how they fit into a system um you know and, and also in terms of their physical attributes you know you can tell whether maybe they'll be able to compete at a league one or a league two or a premier league level based on their physical attributes on what you can see um so and also i think when you're also you know when you're dealing with academy players a lot of the times you're especially with the really young ones the first time you try and approach a player you're speaking to a parent so sometimes i remember when I was at Brentford. My job was to go to sort of a local area and find kids who could come and play for the pre-academy at Brentford. And uh, I remember I had to go and speak to some parents and, and try and sort of tell them, okay, I'm from Brentford. And, you know, you get some parents that obviously know about football and some parents that aren't interested at all. So you then sort of have that thin line of how do I approach it? So I think there's more sort of variables there which you have to be a bit careful with. 
Whereas when you're obviously scouting with players that are sort of 23s or 21s and above, um, you'll do your information on a player. Again, because of data these days, you can watch extra videos, you can compile your information, and then you can go to the club directly. Or you know, So you don't really deal with the player or maybe the parents as much as you would, obviously, when they're younger. Um, and then academy as well, in terms of uh, the game access you have, obviously, they only play at certain times. So you know, you'll go and watch certain games and sometimes all of the scouts will be looking at the same sort of player. So the same thing happens at the higher level, but I think it's slightly different um, when it's academy level um, in terms of, you know, where will they travel and things like that. Whereas I think when it gets to a higher level, they're more, it's more of a profession. So it's slightly different in terms of the approach and the willingness for them to come to your club, if that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Um how important do you think the the role of a, a parent is? I mean, as, as a scout, was there ever a time where you had a, a conversation with a parent, and that, that even perhaps maybe made you think maybe this player isn't isn't right for for our academy? Yeah, I think um, yeah, I, th- I think parents are massive. Uh, that's something I've learned in my football sort of career, just in general, really. To date, I think parents are huge, especially at the academy level, because the parents influence the children or obviously they're responsible for the children aren't they so you get some parents who i've spoken to who don't have any idea of football and maybe have already an idea of what they want their child to do Uh, so i remember once i spoke to a parent who was very sort of academically driven she was like oh you know i don't want my son to you know he plays football now he enjoys it but you know he's never gonna i don't i don't think he's ever gonna make it you know she was more apprehensive of the fact that, you know, of the failure aspect rather than the potential aspect of him succeeding. And that was quite difficult because, you know, if she wasn't really interested. So even though I thought the player had potential, I thought the player was good. And I went back to my bosses and said, you know, whatever then they tried, she just wasn't interested. So it sort of stopped the player from going anywhere, really, because the parent just wasn't interested. Whereas I think when you do get some parents that are interested, um, it does help because obviously, yes, you might get some that ask a lot of questions, which is even better. Um, but I think it does have a big influence on the child because obviously if the parents is in, is interested and willing, then it does help the child to sort of maybe push more or, you know, take opportunities more seriously, um, which is what I've noticed in the past. So I think, I think parents are massive. Um, and I even speak to some parents now, like I mentioned earlier, I coach certain people now, individual players who want to improve on their game at their clubs and their parents still interested. You know, there's some, some players I work with now, you know, in their 20s and their parents are still sort of pushing them. And I think that is massive for a player as well when they've got the parents backing um, because I just think it gives them that right foundation to really push on. So it's so, so interesting to hear you talk about pl- older players. You, I mean, yeah, you, you sort of think once a player is 18 or whatever and they're playing first team football, that would be it. But no, it's such a, such a good point. Um, I'd, I'd be totally remiss not to bring up uh, opposition analysis. Obviously, you've got some incredible experience in, in that field. Um, I think a good way to start this off would would be to ask, I mean, how, how, how would you approach, before you even get to a game, how are you approaching your, or, or watch a game online, how are you approaching your analysis? Uh, do you set out a set, a set structure that you're going to look to fill out as you go? Or are you at a point now where you're so experienced where you can sort of adapt to the game um, as, as it goes on? Yeah, no, I mean, I've got so much more to learn. I wouldn't, you know, the, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it, I'll, the answer to your question, I think it's, it's improve. I try, I have a mentality where I try to improve year on year. So when I first started doing it, I remember my first game when I was 21. Um, I, uh, I literally was like, 
lost. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I sort of didn't have no structure. And I think the point of your question that you asked, which I think is very, very important and is key, is it's the preparation before the game, which I think sets you up for the game when you're there. So before a game, I've now got to a stage now, like you say, because I've done it so many times in year in, year out, where I have like a, a piece of paper, which I'll fold into, say, four or six. Um, and I'll sort of have sort of one side of the paper, I'll write down the, the formation for what for the team I'm watching. And then the other side of the paper, I write down the formation for the team that I'm not watching, because that's also important. And then inside the sort of paper that I folded, I'll have down um, the starting formation, um, you know, if they change formation in the game, some sort of small comments. So, so basically, I've just basically devised a format that works for me because a lot of the time, like I said before, depending on what club you're at, you will, you will know what you're going to look for regardless um, before you've even left. Um, and then I sort of, again, it depends on what level. So um, now, obviously, there's more sort of information and data and things like that about teams at all the levels that I sort of generally work at. So I'll normally sometimes try, or most of the time, to be honest, I'll check sort of their last few results. I'll see any sort of players that play in the team, um, players that might come into the team. Um, but I try, I know some scouts do that quite heavy. I don't really do that that much because what I try to do is say what I see when I'm at the game. So I try not to have too much information in my head before I get to the game because sometimes I've noticed that that can sort of... Uh, distract you when you're at the game you sort of try to see things that aren't actually happening um but yeah I'll, I'll always i normally always have like a you know I'll, I'll i'll go on the website or different website the club website find out information about players that are going to be injured players that are missing um because that's also important in our reports um i'll look at uh sort of yeah recent results sometimes their form is also important just to see what sort of the confidence level of the side is um, and then more, most importantly for me and my responsibility really is looking at the formations they play. So sometimes I'll look at the last three games, what shapes have they played, um, if they change them often, if they don't, because that sometimes helps. Um, so that's all sort of before I've even left my house, before I go to a game. And then when you get to the game, you then try and take in extra information. So luckily, again, we, we obviously get sort of into the scouts rooms. When you get in there, they'll give you a team sheet. They'll give you um, a match day program most times, depending on what level you go to. So you then try and look in that. You try and take in information from there. Um, so it's all about information, really. You're trying to get in as much information to paint a picture before the game starts. And then when the game does start, that's where, in my opinion, your preparation comes comes to fruition, really. And that's where I'll sort of go back to my, sort of take down the information that I need, um, I'll write down any set plays that I need, any sort of information that I can get. And I've got to a point now where I've kind of mastered it to my level, but I can still improve, I'm sure. Um, and then after that, that's that's when and then, yeah, then I'll go home and then that's where the real work starts. You know, a lot of people, you say to me, oh, it's so great, you get to watch football, but then you spend another four hours afterwards or five hours doing the report um, for the management team. And, and that's really where our job comes alive, really. Would you, would you watch the game back again afterwards uh, you know, in video form to see if there's anything you missed or would you trust what you saw at the time? Yeah, so it, it's, it's changed, like I said, it's changed year on year. When I first started doing it, the, the video access wasn't as much. So before, no, I, I wouldn't. I'd literally just go home, do everything I can, um, get the report done and then send it off. And then the people at the, at the agency when I first started working, like I said, would then have the video access and maybe compare that to my notes to make sure I haven't said something that is completely off off the scale um but as i've obviously worked for clubs now yes i've been fortunate enough to have the access so it it, it really depends really because sometimes a lot of the time as well i'll go watch 
the last game before the team I'm working for is playing them. So sometimes I could be watching, if the team's playing on, say, like especially in the Premier League, they could be playing on a Friday, we could be playing them again on a Tuesday. So depending on, most of the time I will watch the game again, yes, but sometimes if I'm convinced and I'm happy enough, I won't watch the game again. Um, but yeah, a lot of the time, maybe I might have the game recorded and then I'll pick points where I think, okay, this bit I want to talk about, am I totally accurate with it? Um, and vice versa. So yeah, most of the time I would watch the game, but there's sometimes where I'm, I'm confident enough. I don't need to. And again, this comes down to what you're actually looking for. There's been games where I've gone to where we're looking, you know, we're trying to beat the team next week and maybe the team hasn't lost in six, seven games. So I'm now thinking, well, I need to make sure I'm trying to pick something out that's going to help the team as much as possible. Um, where there's other games, maybe where the manager might say, oh, actually, it's a cup game. We're not going to be playing our strongest team. I just want to know their shape. I just want to know this, that and the other. If I sort of have that information already, I don't really need to watch the game again. Um, so yeah, it, it does vary. But most of the time, yeah, I'd watch the game again. Would, would you break your tactical analysis down into you know the four moments in the game or is it more a case of i've seen this this is interesting this is worth noting um yeah so you normally sort of break it into a lot of the time it's especially at the premier league level a lot of the time it's down to how do they respond or how do they deal with their shape and, and aspects in possession and then out of possession and then any changes that happen within that. So it is broken up into about three or four sections, but in possession, out possession is probably the main one, really. Um, you sort of look at what do they, what's their shape like? Do they always do the same thing? I mean, sometimes you see, especially with halves uh, changes, sometimes you see in the, in the beginning of a game, they might do something and then in the second half of the game, they change completely. So you, you're, you're basically looking for patterns, really. Um, and then you're trying to highlight those patterns so that because essentially what we're doing as opposition scouts is we're trying to help the coaching team prepare training or you know, report back to the players what they want to get out or what, what's going to come towards them. Do you see what I mean? So a lot of the time we're trying to pick up patterns. We're trying to look for common trends and things that they do often. I mean, we do look out for things that are random, that might happen, but we, we use them as a side note. But the main, I would say the main thing we're looking for is pattern, common trends, things that they do all the time so that the coaching team can look at our report or the manager can look at it and go, right, I've seen that. Or when he watches the game, because all the managers do, they'll watch the games that we've been to. Um, they can see what we've seen and go, right, I get that. Or that gives us a different perspective um, based on us being there. So it's mainly trends and patterns, I think, is what we look for. How, uh, I mean, I'm guessing that opposition analysis has has improved greatly in terms of the sort of quality that, that, that can be done. Um, and I guess a lot of that would come down to um, I guess more people interested in doing it, but also the te technology available. Do you feel that head coaches, particularly opposition head coaches, have adapted to this? Do you think there's more tactical flexibility than you were seeing perhaps seven or eight years ago when you were doing this? Yeah, massively, massively. Um, I, I think so because I grew up sort of as an AC Milan fan. So I used to go and watch Milan play in Italy. And, and in Italy, um, they, they changed tactics. I remember even when I was younger watching them and I used to go over there, they would change tactics and things in a game and I wouldn't really know what it was at the time. I'd be thinking that looks strange or whatever, but I wouldn't really understand it. And when I first started scouting here, um, obviously in, in this country, in the Premier, it, the, the shapes were roughly the same. They never used to really change that much in a game or, you know, you, you sort of kind of get your shape and your formation sorted and then you're just looking for little intricacies within sort of, like I said, the players. 
Whereas I think now, because of, like you just said, the, the rise of data and things, and also, like I mentioned before, with certain managers now bringing their own analysts in and, and things like that, I think um, now it, it, it's, it's used much, much more, you know, and managers use it in different ways. Like I said, some managers look at the data more, some look at it slightly less, but they all do look at it just at different levels and different variations. And I think because, you know, the access is more than, like you say, five, six, seven years ago, in my opinion, they watch more games now. You know, before when I first started, you'd see a lot of managers turning up to games live and that was essentially them scouting themselves, you know, to validate whatever it is that maybe the scouts have said. Whereas now a lot of managers don't go to games live, but they will watch them on the video. And, and that's sort of them sort of using the technology more and more to sort of solidify what we're saying. So if anything, it's sort of, it's made us, like I said, some clubs look loud and think, okay, I don't need an opposition scout because I can watch it on video. I'll get an analyst to do it on a video. But at the same time, for those of us, for the clubs that do want opposition scouts like us to go to games, it sort of put more pressure on us to make sure that what we're reporting is as accurate as possible because now they've got video and they've got data to, solidify whatever we're saying mm, that's really interesting i mean when you're putting together one of these reports and you say that as soon as the game's finished that's when the real work starts um how um, how do you go about setting out that opposition analysis you know we spoke earlier about how you would sort of put your lineups formations and things um and we spoke about making sure the information is concise as, as possible do you have a uh, a template that you would generally look to fill fill out or would you say that one opposition analysis could look entirely different to the one before? Um, yeah, so generally there is a template, yeah. Whether you're working for an agency or a club, there will be a template because that gives a sort of a, a, rate, a, a level of consistency to the reports that we're, we're sort of producing. So you would then have, you'll definitely have a template. Like I said, you will have certain things that you have to report to. And like I said, this changes from club to club and it does change sometimes from manager to manager as well. A lot of times manager to manager, some managers look at certain things more, some managers look at certain things less. So you will know before you go to the game, what things will definitely have to go in that report. And then the, the differences between game to game will be depending on what you're watching. So that's where our, why I said our sort of our real work starts. And to give an example, when I was working for an agency, for example, there was a blanket uh, system that we'd use. You look for your set plays, like I mentioned, all those things. But then there was another section which was tailored to the club. So the club would say to the agency, "We want you to look for these things," but not. But that would be in sort of a sentence structure or like a. Um, sort of a written structure so you kind of really have to know they would want to know that you've actually notified it so they'd ask for things like basic things like who's their quickest player um who's their most dangerous player sort of in in the in this third or they might ask you things like um uh sort of when they take throw-ins do they change them when they're in the defensive half on the offensive half so little things like that which would be tailored to the team so you kind of knew that okay i need to make sure that i'm picking these things up otherwise i'm not going to be able to fill them in and then the harder part of it uh which differentiates each one is a lot of the times as opposition scouts or analysts will get asked to provide ways where they've got their major strengths and their major weaknesses so that's where the individual detail for each team, you kind of need to know. Uh, you need to be sort of aware of where they're strong and where they're not. And that can be difficult, especially when you go higher up in, in the Premier League. Where I remember once I was watching Man City um, at Watford. I think they won 6-0. Um, and we were playing them the next week. So I'd gone to watch them. And I just, at the time, I just couldn't work out how I was going to, what I was going to put down, you know, and I had to put down three, I had to put down three reasons how we would beat them. And I was, I was just sitting, I was scratching my head. I remember I had to watch the, I think I watched the game back twice when I got home 
to try and really, you know, so th those are the areas where the, the reports differentiate. And that's why I say the work starts then, because in my very early years, I remember there were games where I'd go and I'd write notes down and I'd think, okay, I, I know what I'm going to do when I get home. And then I get home and I, I've, I've gone blank with certain areas of the report because I haven't taken the notes down well enough to know what it is I was trying to tell myself, so to speak. So when you're at the game, I think the key, one of the major keys is making sure your notes help so that when you get home and you've got that report to do, you can get down as much information as possible and as clear as possible. So, yeah, hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, b b before we come to the end of this, I'd like to talk a little bit about, obviously, your, your coaching. And I think to link it to analysis, um, do you find that since you've been working on analysis that you it impacts the way you approach coaching sessions or reflect on coaching sessions? Do you think that uh, working in analysis has improved you as a coach? Yeah, massively, massively. I must say massively. I've, I've been very, very lucky, to be honest, because, um, yeah, even the clubs that I've been fortunate enough to work for, they, they've had good sort of uh, environments for me to work in and grow and learn as much as possible, which is, I think, massive when it comes to coaching. And the, bit, the, the example I'd give in terms of answering your question on how scouting has helped me as a coach is I was fortunate enough to manage the Fulham ladies team um, and it was my first sort of job coaching a team, sort of in a team environment with like sort of so-called semi-pro players. And I remember when we used to play other teams, we would go to the games and luckily we had good players at Fulham. So I was very, very lucky. And we'd be winning maybe three or four nil in the first 15, 20 minutes. And in that period where a lot of my assistant coaches would be sort of getting carried away or maybe looking at other things. I would literally be standing there from my scouting times and getting pen and paper out and I would be looking and analysing the opposition. And the reason why I would do it then was because I was already thinking that we're going to play them again and they probably won't change their shape like I'm experiencing in my job when I'm scouting at the elite level. So what I was doing was I was preparing for when we were going to play them in the second leg. And the reason how I realised how that was going to help me was because what I would then do is when the game had finished, I'd make a little review, not as, as comprehensive, obviously, as the reports I've mentioned, but I'd make a little review on what they were good at, what they were weak at. And then I'd use that to prepare for training when we were going to play them again next. So I remember the first time I did it, I was telling the players, okay, this is what they're going to do. Or if they, you know, I think they're going to do it. And the players were looking at me going, well, how are you going to know they're going to do that? And I was like, well, I just think they are. I wasn't going into the detail of what I just told you, but I was like, this is what I saw from last time. And I think, and then we'd end up playing them and they'd do exactly what it was that I was expecting them to do. And that was only because I had had the foresight to do that. And if it wasn't for my scouting, I would have never even thought of something like that. You know, I would have literally just been thinking about, you know, the game at that moment. So I think it does help. And also when I've been coaching since then, um, there's different levels where they've been able to get maybe hold of one camera or whatever and record certain games or even training, which has then helped me sort of use my experience scouting wise to look at certain things, especially with the strengths and weaknesses and areas that we can target and help me sort of prepare for, for coaching sessions and training sessions, especially, which is what I sort of enjoy doing the most when I'm coaching. So yeah, I think sc scouting has definitely helped me uh, massively in terms of analyzing things and, and dealing and with that side of coaching, because I think that side of coaching is really, really important, um, especially when you're preparing. And I think at the grassroots level, it's not done as often, which I can understand why, because there's many different barriers, but I do think it did give me an edge because especially with the players, I remembered when after that happened once or twice, 
the players never asked me how I did it, but they kept thinking, right, how does he know this is going to happen? And it started then sort of allowing the players, it rubbed off on the players. So I started getting players saying to me, oh yeah, I remember when we played them, they played this shape. And, you know, so it started to have an effect on the players as well, which I think is massive because, you know, if you get players that are able to think, it does, it does make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting. Um, I, I, I guess I'd like to know, Tino, if you had to choose one, do you prefer coaching or do you prefer analysis? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's weird because when I was growing up, I, I played, but I never played at a sort of really high level. And um, I, my first influences that made me even want to pursue this career or whatever it is, is it was managers. So at the time, when I first got into football, I wanted to, like I said before, when I sort of left uh, Sky Television, I wanted to be a manager. So at that point, I was like, yeah, I want to be a manager. That's what I want to do. I'm going to do it. I did my coaching badges. And when I did my coaching badges, I remember they're the ones, the coaches that assessed me on my level two, especially, they were the ones that gave me the confidence because they were like, oh, you know, if you have a coach before, you're quite good. And I was like, oh, really? Like, I didn't realize. So I always said a, a, a coach or a manager, but now that I've actually done a bit of it, I do think I prefer more scouting now and analysis um, just because I like, it's a different kind of pressure, but I, I think I enjoy the level of responsibility of it. So like I've mentioned many times in this conversation, I like the fact of preparing for the game, going to the game, sort of getting there, analyzing the team live, um, getting home and sort of spending time on that report and getting it ready and then presenting that to the manager. So I, I feel like definitely if I had to pick one, I, I definitely would pick um, analysis because I, I love, I have a sort of, I have a, a big appetite for learning. And I think the, the best thing I like about analysis is that there's so much of it that you'll never think, oh, I'm finished. You know, you never think that I've done it all. You know, you, there's always more to learn. There's always more to take on. And the amount of, of information available is beautiful because you can just keep learning and keep looking at different things and different trends and so yeah, I have I have a real passion for for analysis really, and um, yeah, I think the blend and the opportunity to do it live as well for me has been been amazing. So yeah, I think I'll definitely pick analysis. Fantastic. And the the last question I, I like to ask in these interviews is: Is there any advice that you wish you'd had when you first started on your journey? Yeah, I think um, I think the the advice I think I wish I'd got when I first started is being patient with the process. So I think, um, like I said, I started scouting when I was 21. I think <laughs> in my 20s, I was thinking, yeah, I'm just going to do this for a couple of years and I'll be at the top and blah, blah, blah. But I think um, looking at, back on it now, I think it's good to know that it is a long-term uh, process. And I think the learning aspect of it, you sort of learn things and you've always got to just remind yourself that there's always more to learn. You know, you've always got to think, yeah, there's more to learn and, and there's always a way to improve. And that's something that I've taken with me and I'm trying to sort of always keep in mind because, you know, it, the job is is enjoyable, but it's very, very complex. And, you know, like I said before, you get different managers that see different things and, and you know, you need to sometimes buy into the manager as well, which some people don't realise, you know. I've worked for some managers that maybe see the game differently to the way maybe I'd see it, but I have to work for them for the good of the team. So I think, yeah, I think being patient with the process um, and understanding that you can learn something from everyone. So every manager, even some managers I've worked with that I don't particularly agree with, you learn from them, you learn from different things. And I think if I had been told that a bit more, then I think I would have maybe been slightly more patient than I have been. Um, but at the same time, I've been very, very lucky with the experiences that I've had. 
um and the advice that i have had you know there's a lot of good people that have helped me like i said my first sort of role model or person that really helped me who gave me this whole advice about attention to detail he he was massive for me because when he said that and and i could see it from the examples he was showing it really really helped me sort of continue and persevere um so yeah being patient i think being patient with the process you know always like i've said before doing other jobs at the same time not losing the fact that it will come you just got to be patient and keep working at it and then your opportunity will come um and i think that that's that's very very important i think it's, it's so funny you say that as well i think looking at this from just a, a youth coach perspective as well it's something that I'm, I'm sure you do too but i try to instill it in the players that i coach on a on a, on a daily basis is tr- trust in the process and um invest themselves into it Timo, this has been absolutely fantastic. So thank you so much for uh, for coming on and, and speaking about No, thank you for having me. Everything today. Yeah, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and by all means, we'd love to have you on, on this again. Um, if, you're li- if you're listening to this and you enjoy, enjoyed the, the um, interview, by all means, please do share it on social media. And uh, if, if you're a budding analyst and you want to get started, Total Football Analysis is always looking for new analysts. And if you... Uh, if you are interested, then please do drop us an email as well, which you can find all the information on the website. Um, thank you very much for listening, and thank you to Timo once again. Mm-hmm.